from Adonai Studios in Wrightsville Beach. This is the Dubcast. What is up, everybody? Sila shouting out to you from the South End. Big love and unity from the Dub. Hope you're having a good day today. Today we have a very special show for you. Actor John David Beulah from The Walking Dead, Hunger Games, Fast and Furious, Godzilla, all kinds of movies. It is the second part of our interview with JD, a good friend of mine, and it is fun times indeed. Big love and unity from the dub. We hope everybody's having a great afternoon. We are recording live from the deck today, right out here on Wrights Beach, enjoying some of the summer swell and all the good friends out here hanging out, so we figured we'd just do the interview right here on the deck. You might hear a little sound of the ocean behind us, but that's a little, just a little extra ambiance, I guess. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Dubcast. It's been a fun time indeed. We are now into our 10th episode. So we are super stoked for everybody's support, and we look forward to continuing on with the Dubcast. we got some fun guests ahead. Big love and unity from the Dub. The Dubcast is brought to you by Carl Heavily Surf, handcrafted surfboards on the Crystal Coast. All shapes and sizes, from high-performance longboards to super gnarly pocket thrusters. Check them out at carlheavily.com. Handcrafted on the Crystal Coast. Also, the Dub Pass is brought to you by JM Seafood and Pub in Surf City. JM Seafood features the catch of the day as well as seasonal shrimp and shellfish. Check them out at JM Seafood in Surf City. Also, JM's Pub on Surf City features live music three nights a week. Don't miss the jump up Thursday night reggae at JM's Pub. Seabaw Dub is back in action. We've been hard work in the studio, working on our brand new videos. We're debuting the new video, Smile, on Tuesday. Check it out on the Seabaw Dub YouTube channel. We are super stoked. We're going to be putting out about five or six new videos here in the next few weeks. And that goes together into one of our new little musical films called Close Out City. Check it out on the YouTube channel for Sila Dub. We're recording on Saturday, June 13th, as the country gets back in action slightly. Here in Wilmington, things are getting back in action carefully and slowly. The beach seems to be hopping a little bit, and people are getting back to normal. We hope we can get back to a New reality and a new sense of normalcy here on the coasts. The Dubcast is self-produced by yours truly here in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. Check us out at SeeLawDub.com where you can get more information about the band, SeeLawDub, or the podcast and all the goings-on with the tour schedule, merchandise, upcoming events, and guests on the podcast. You are tuned in to the Dubcast, Dub Heavy. 
Well, here we are. It's crazy times indeed. Hope everybody is charged up and kept themselves in full motion during this downtime. All I can say is we're coming back and things are going to be much better. Our reality seems pretty chaotic if you tune into the television or social media these days. But if you look around the neighborhood and in middle America, it seems things are still holding up just the same and we are okay. Things are going to be okay. I think it's about time to tune out of some of this social media and news frenzy for a little while and maybe we can just come together with the people around us and grab a little unity. Anyways, here's a little diversion to help us through this tough time. Back by popular demand, it's the follow-up interview with our good friend J.D. Beulah from Fast and Furious, Godzilla, and most notably from The Walking Dead. J.D. is a good friend to all of us around here in the community, a kind soul with an outgoing spiritual nature. You never know what he's going to say next, so it's always a good time. Here is Dubcast number 11 with my good friend, John David Buell. Check it out. We are back. Welcome back to the Dubcast, everybody. Sivas shouting out to you from the South End. It's the second half of my awesome interview with my good friend, John David Beulah, from Fast and Furious, Godzilla, and uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead, you know. Yeah, I am, I am Egan. I am so. Egan. <laughs> so, uh, welcome back, JD. How you been making out? We are now in June... 12th, we've gotten deep into the second phase of the lockdown, and we've gotten through some crazy riots and protests for the George Floyd and the situation with the police brutality. And uh, so what's your opinion of everything going down so far in America at this point? Yeah, I'm just glad that <laughs> recently, uh, you know, the, the protests have become a lot more peaceful, and uh, that's what counts. You know, it was a very tragic, sad event. It was horrible. It was horrific. Um, the new charges came out on one of the main police officers that were involved, and and those charges were stiffer, which they should have been in the first place, um, to redeem justice. That, that man was brutally murdered in broad daylight, and something's got to be done. And so they uh, brought more charges as well to the other three officers involved. So that's been a blessing. I know that the world is angry, hurt, disappointed, uh, but also the world needs change, and that's what has been coming. It started off. A long time ago, 
uh, meaning like within like the last really like if you want to go back I mean you know I would I would probably say six to seven years ago this change started evolving and uh, you know um, I'm just happy to see that it's gotten a lot more peaceful on a lot of accounts did you see how the um, the protesters uh, in an autonomous zone in Seattle recently and now they're sitting around like you know kumbaya and fires and and uh, watching watching uh, movies and you know claiming their property in the East precinct where um, the police just vacated the uh, police department and they took over and they started putting all the fences up to say that this was an, an autonomous free zone. Uh, no police brutality, no police allowed, all that. Yeah, that was in, that was in Seattle. Lord. So, so, uh, we've seen everything and anything go down in the last five months. So, um, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. I'm very proud of all the protesters and everybody putting out the word and getting the word out. And I think that we've created some consciousness out there. With that has come a lot of chaos and some bad apples, bad actors in the situation, but. Uh, this is like a growing pain we've been going through here, and uh, I hope that we can accept it on both sides and come together on both sides of the situation, really. Although yeah. I see ignorance as something that people, ignorant people are going to keep pushing ignorance, and people who want change are going to push change as hard as they can. So we're always going to have these kind of dichotomies. I'm hoping that we can get the police brutality to another level of safety. Maybe this will be a wake-up call, you know? Yeah, this but is... But I don't want no police. I don't believe that there's, like, we should be, like, taking the police out of certain cities or anything like this. It's gotten kind of... They Extreme. Try push, they try to push the cognitive distance. You know, the left is pushing it one way, the right's pushing it another way, and it's... Uh, we all just need to just come few, together. Yeah, a few bad actors are making it like that, and then... The media likes to hype it to a point where we all believe that's our reality when it's really, that's not what we're living here, you know. It, it, so. it, exactly. That's not what we're living here. There's um, more we, unity than you think. Yeah, there's, really there's totally thing. more love and unity than you think. In fact, all this started with a great movement, uh, you know, back in like 2014, man. I mean, I, I, I had been hearing about it for like, a, a decade before 2014, I, I heard about it. It's it was it's called the love movement. You know, the, the only thing that's that's real here is 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 love, and that's what everybody needs to understand. It's all about that love movement that the world is awakening at a very fast uh, pace, and um, it's a beautiful thing when. Uh, there's a lot of uh, great, amazing people involved. Um, you know, that's that's uh, you know all in it for the right things. You know, love, kindness, compassion. Uh, you know, putting down those fists and 
give you know doing doing well you can't do handshakes these days because of the virus unfortunately um but you can at least uh you know fist bump and uh you know one day i mean honestly you know i think depending on uh, how safe you are as a conscious warrior uh we will definitely be able to hug each other sooner than later I hope so sooner. I think everyone needs a hug. I mean, that's the situation where a lot of people are lacking in that emotional connection because they've been locked up for months. Not as much as on this side of the country, but out west, a lot of my friends are just locked up still, especially the people that are single, and uh, they're just not getting out much, you know. So it's had a real mental effect on the nation. It's almost uh, had a psychological wave come over everyone. I hope we can snap out of that real soon for sure yeah that's um <laughs> <laughs> but you know what as i think about the protests when you think back in the late late 60s early 70s especially in the 70s i remember protests turning to the love movement positive movement um conscious movement and uh it's really the only way you can take it and have a true effect is I'm going to step up out of the wave pool and try to control the, the levers instead of try to punch the waves in the wave pool, you know what I'm saying? But step out of the wave pool and, you know, control the levers and do what you can to step out and look at the perspective from the outside, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like everyone's inside a wave pool yeah, punching the waves trying to stop, but you can't do anything about that. You, know, you got to yeah, yeah. step out and stop the wave machine. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's definitely a wave machine going, but what a lot of people have to realize, you know, when when you get to that point, you have to realize that we are all one. Everybody affects each other. Yeah. And that's key. Once you believe that, they won't keep bickering at each other. They won't keep uh, saying Bad things towards each other. I mean, I, I had a friend today. He called me up and and he's like, "I'm just so angry," and I'm like, "I'm like, well, you know, um, what's going on? You know, talk to me." He's like, he's like, man, you know, I'm a manager, and and this guy came in and and he just gave me, you know, all these um very negative attitudes towards him uh you know trying and 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 travis was sitting there and trying to help this guy you know put his furniture you know that that he had just that he had just gotten off of the floor because they had ran out of stock and the dude was like I, I want this now and so there was like something wrong with one of the legs and all it was was just a little a little screw on the back side of the table leg that wasn't screwed it correctly, but Travis wasn't the one that put the floor model together. He was a, ma he was a manager, but you know, um, there was a lot of conflict there and Travis chose to do the right thing and just walked away and let the other, cause, cause I didn't want this big lots does two managers like, like on shifts and stuff like that, you know? And so his manager was there and then he was, he was there acting as another manager and uh, he just let the other manager just the take care. Built up on people, I think. 
yeah, yeah, I, I really, I really think that. And and I was like, I was like, look, I was like, Travis, the way you need to look at this, and, and you did the right thing by walking away, but the way you need to look at this is this. There are no bad people out there. There are people that are always crying for love. So there are no bad people. And, um, you know, you, you people, people that do necessarily uh, bad things in this realm of where we, where we are consciously here, right? Um, those, those people um, are, are still part of us. They're all part of us, and that's where we are all one. And so um, rehabilitation is better than um, locking these guys and these girls that are crying out for help. You know, rehabilitation is definitely a better way than um, mass incarceration you know, with what, I mean, man, I watched this amazing documentary the other night. It's called the 13th, right? Amazing, um, uh, beautiful black, uh, uh, director Ava Devarney. She's a beautiful person inside and out. And she, she, it took her two years to complete this project on, on mass incarceration, uh, prison systems and how, all the prison systems are a uh, are a, uh, a scam. You can't deny that it's a money-making situation, and you got to keep making money, so you got to keep creating more victims and incarcerating more people to make more money. They, so when you put incarceration into a capitalist scheme and take the, privatize it, there you go. And that's what we've had insanity with, the, with incarcerating. You know, I mean, think, think the lesser privilege and the, think about this stat <clears throat> for minor offenses. Twenty-five percent of America is locked up. Yeah, locked up. Yeah. A lot of those, a lot of those people that are locked up are minor, non-violent offenses or drug offenses. And what they did was, throughout this whole entire documentary. They went through the years. They start off in the 30s, and they, they were talking about how horrific Birth of a Nation uh, film was because it, it made the um, beautiful black people um, look like the, 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 the man. It was always about the man making him look like a dog, a devil, a, 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 just a madman. And they portrayed you know, these lovely people um, – as such, and um, then they went through how it changed. And so the 30s, that was after like the, the, the Civil War era, um, you know, Ku Klux Klan was the Ku Klux Klan was literally in, in this in this documentary. There were there were movies back then that literally made the KKK look great. Yeah. Oh, the, the first wave was. There was three waves of it. So the first wave was a different movement than the second wave and the third. So the first was definitely supported by the nation. The second was the Jim Crow plan, which was right. here in Wilmington. Yeah. Or here in Wilmington and Northwood. That's where it started. And that's when they had the first coup 
in, a North, in an American office. The only two that's ever happened, they took over our courthouse and the whites took over because the blacks were coming in and taking over downtown. They were building really great buildings downtown. They were becoming lawyers and doctors. They were getting established. They were taking over in government. And so the white supremacists came in and said, we're not going to have this. And they took over the court system and ran it themselves. Took over the courthouse in like, I think it was like, you know, early 1900. And right after, right after the, a couple, you know, 20 years after the Jim Crow laws, you know, after the blacks got freedom, they started going into a renaissance and really started thriving. Right. And taking, taking and establishing themselves. And so yeah. Yeah. That yeah. happened right here in Wilmington. Uh, and the Klan was established the second half, the second. And so you still see the people with their Confederate flags and trying to stand up for their whatever heritage they thought they were raised around. But it's just very backwards mindset and very dangerous. Yeah, it uh, is. Many people were lynched. Many people were lynched right around here near Wrightsville Beach. Uh, on the way out here to Wrightsville Beach, there's a big farm where many people were lynched and killed right here in North Carolina. So it's a very deadly, dangerous, and terrible history and past that we we buried and never really taught. I mean, we weren't taught in school or anything about it. You know, now it comes out deeper and deeper. You know, it's just deep inside many families and many heritages, so it has to be lost somehow. It has to be lost, you know. So yeah, and and, and and you know, it's um, it's it's very uh, like full of horror stories. Uh, the 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 good news is that the um the black community and and the other people. Um, that are amazing supporters of the black community. They were able to start build, building businesses. They were able to start thriving. The laws finally changed where they were able to vote. Um, so it was an amazing turn, and it needed to happen just like today's change needs to happen as well. Um, you it's know, been incremental, but very slow and ridiculously slow in my time period because I thought this was you know, very slow. I'm I mean, exactly right. During the days of Rodney King, we were all, yeah, we were all outraged and amazed by that. But nowadays, with the world star attitude and just the way we've seen everything and anything on YouTube, we're not even faced by uh, numerous cases worse than Rodney King. So, yeah, and, and it's crazy. And and you're you're exactly right. And um, you know, to and I've been a part of this. I've been a, I've been a part of the profiling. Because of my music business and who I, you know, people that I have ride with me and me being a Rasta man, I've been a part of this profiling thing the whole time. So I have nothing, I can't say or speak like I'm a victim because I'm a white man here in America, but I've seen it firsthand on a regular basis, you know, traveling with a band with, you know, black people in my band and just late night on the road in a band, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I've seen it firsthand in the, in the scene, a hundred straight up great police officers. And then one out of a hundred I've caught, I've had been seriously crooked. And that's scary when you get one like that and they're talking to you, you know, they're, 
trying to set you up, and you're just like, whoa, you know. So it's a scary situation, but I'm, I'm hoping that some awareness is finally going to get reached here. Yeah, you know, talking about profiling the the, um, the industry uh, that I work in, uh, you know, I've got long hair and a beard. So what do the casting directors want me to do? I was asked, I don't know how many times in the last two years to be a KKK uh, member, a um, Aryan Nation member, a uh, um, an anarchist, but an anarchist with like white power involved. So once again, to the KKK. Uh, you know, and then um, I ended up refusing every last one of them uh, until Happen Leonard called me. And uh, Happen Leonard is uh, is a really cool show on, uh, I believe it's on AMC. It ran three seasons, great actors involved, amazing storyline. And um, the only reason I took it is because as an actor, you, you don't want to necessarily be, uh, what would you call it? Um, not, it's not profiling. It's, uh, oh, my mind has lost me right Pigeonhole. now. Pigeonholed. Okay. Stereotyped. Pigeon, stereotyped or... Or yeah, some something to that effect. Yeah, it will it will come to me eventually. But um, I took it before, typecast. Typecast. Boom. There you go, Mark. Typecast. Exactly. <laughs> that that, that that easy, right? Typecast. Uh, cause they they let me know that I was gonna be in a hood. Yeah, that's crazy when you come. So how do you? I mean, you, when you get offered, and I was featured. When you get offered really something good, like there's, that, there's what goes through your mind? Like when you get offered something, or you do a role like that, and you feel like, because you know you got to look at it from the actor's perspective. He's got to, you got to go out in public now. You know, you got to be worried about being typecast as that kind of actor. Like, what is your reaction and before well, accepting and after accepting? You know, you know, you know b- before you really contemplate. Is it really worth it, you know, to 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 do it? Because um, you look at all these different factors about your reputation, your identity, uh, who you are as a person. But then you you look at it as a creative concept, and and with the storyline behind it, and if you want to be part of telling that powerful story. Along those lines. Exactly. So it's your craft. So you uh, yeah. And so. It's um, a crazy thought from that. I'm, you, you so he's not an actor. You know. Yeah. yeah. With, with me, I've always been more of a method actor. I love to method act and really get involved with my character. Um, like, you know, and, and so. How I took this gig on Happen Ladder, Leonard, was I was featured. So, therefore, with me being featured, I knew that I was going to be working with the leads. And so uh, that's what I ended up doing. What in, in the scene, um, I can't remember if it's Happ or Leonard. Uh, he's played by an amazing uh, black actor. Um, uh, 
Uh, I can't remember his name, but he was in he was in Boardwalk Empire, and he's an amazing actor and a uh, uh, funny dude. And he was being chased through the woods, um, you know, because we were as a group we were going to get him and and try to rough him up. You know what I mean? And, and so um, the other character in it, either Happer Leonard, uh, he. He lost. He lost where he was in the in the scene, and so um, the other dude started running towards us, and he didn't realize where he was running to. And then all of a sudden, boom, we got him, right, and then we drag him off and all that stuff off camera and stuff like that. And, and so uh, it was it was cool because one thing is like taking taking a taking a character like that uh, and and being in that moment is kind of, uh, you know, difficult at most to go into that mindset. So you really try to uh, think about, hey, man, you know, who's this really cool actor next to me playing my other KKK member, right? <laughs> and, and, you, and you start, you know, you start palling around and, you know, in between takes and, and then um, – it was it was really cool. Uh, the lead uh, from England, while I was getting some hot chocolate, I couldn't figure out in crafty. I couldn't figure out how to operate this pot that you had to heat up the water with, and and so the lead walks up and it's cold, dude. It's like thirty two degrees. So thank God I had a hood and a freaking and a freaking robe on because I was freezing my butt off that night. It was thirty two degrees. We were in the middle of nowhere in southern Atlanta, um, where uh, out in these farmlands where the Atlanta child killer had dumped off children. Crazy. During the eighties. Now that and we're sitting, we're 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 standing on this ground, you know, and and one of the KKK members that I'm playing with, um. You know, acting with, um, he's a a teacher part time, right? And so we're sitting in in uh, in in holding, and he he's like, guys, do you guys know where we are right now? And we're like, no, don't don't freak us out because it's two in the morning and it's cold and there's not a light anywhere around here except what the the PAs have set up for us to have a light, and we're all like tucked in this tent and uh so i go outside man because he's telling me about this story and it's starting to really give me the heebie-jeebies because because as soon oh and you know there's wild dogs out there there's wild dogs in the, in the outside of Atlanta that are dangerous wild dogs yeah, there's packs of them there but go ahead whoa what that's crazy <laughs> go ahead there's so, wild dogs out there so, you, you so, could have gotten attacked either so so i get out could have eaten you by the balls. jeez dude that's not cool at all balls first so so yeah. i go uh i go out and i'm i'm trying to make this hot pot man the, the lead the main lead comes up to me he's like uh sir are you having trouble trying to to heat up your hot chocolate <laughs> and, and i'm like i'm like Holy shit! You're you're you're. I'm telling myself, dude, you're the lead on uh, um, the following. 
like he was the main psycho cult leader of the fallen. I can't remember his name right now, but it will eventually come to me again. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm like, yeah, I can't figure this out, right? He's like, okay, okay, hold on. So, so he comes over, and, and he's like, let me help you. And and so he's helping me, and he figures it out, right? And he's like, okay, would, uh, sir, would you like me to pour your hot chocolate for you? Now, now this is a lead actor that, that has been on tons of TV shows, tons of movies, Cool as all get out. Yeah, they always get you with the English accent. Next thing you know, oh man, they and, got you in their tent. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and and so, uh, so so yeah, he poured my hot chocolate for me, man. He poured this, your hot this, chocolate. Huh? This was this was a cool dude, man. He was a cool I'll dude. Give you a hot <laughs> yeah, yeah, he. He, uh, so so then I, I come back to the tent and, and we're ready to ready to start the scene again. And uh, all I'm thinking about going back out there, dude, is the Atlanta child killers <laughs> energy <laughs> for the rest of the time that I'm out there until six, seven in the a.m. until the sun comes uh, up. That was a that was a crazy uh, night. You're um, lucky the packs of wild dogs didn't get it, dude. Like, I, okay, so. I, I thought that they were coyotes, but I guess they are packs of wild dogs. There are wild dogs there. Wow. Now, the reason why I know this is my friend was biking across America. Jeez, dude. And he got attacked. Him. He, knew, he didn't make it very far. He was in some strange route where he was going down to Atlanta because he knew people there. Right. So he went down there to see some people on the way out west. Right. And uh, he had his bike all decked out. He's like been doing it for years. He had like all his bags and he had like a little trailer. So he's pulling all his stuff and he's boogieing on there. He's got all, he's got himself all the way to Atlanta, like day four. Mm-hmm. And a pack of wild dogs attack is attacking. Literally, I was like dog. I was like dogs. This is this is strong. This is a tough guy. I was like dogs. Yeah, like a pack of wild dogs came at him and just bit him and attacked him and ruined his trip. He had to go home. He had to go to the hospital. And then go home. He had to stop his trip across the country. And I, I Jeez, thought it was bullshit. Man. And then I saw something on the news on YouTube about it. There's a whole thing about the wild dogs in Atlanta, outside of Atlanta, southern Georgia. That 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 is an is amazing that? story. So so the so the very James Purfoy. Yeah yeah James Purfoy was the one that helped me with my hot chocolate. Oh, so, I so, see. Look so, at that pretty boy. He's so lovely, so yeah. so shout shout out to James Purfoy. He's an amazing actor, cool. amazing cool dude. He's been on tons of things like he played Joe Carroll in The Following. Yeah. Uh, he's in Night's Tale. <laughs> um, you know, he was in Pennyworth. Uh, he's in the really funny uh, 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 show that that actually I've seen called Sex Education. Hilarious show on Netflix. It's an English um, show. And it is so funny about different things about sex education. It, it, I would definitely, definitely what, recommend that. What was the name of that movie that you're on? Um, it was a television show called uh, Happen Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. Really and, then the, and then the um, really cool black actor was Michael Kenneth Williams, who is an amazing actor himself. I mean, just uh, really, really oh, yeah, cool, cool oh, yeah. dude. Uh, 12 Years a Slave. Um, Assassin's Creed, Boardwalk Empire, man. He played this dude named Chalky Wright. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Um, he he was the gang leader of of all the, of the 
blacks in the in the really cool um, mobster scenes back in you know Jersey Boardwalk Empire. Really, oh yeah, what a really really cool. back JD so you getting down to the beach much lately yeah it's been it's been really nice it's been uh, you know not as much people there for a while the more they weaken all that stuff is packed and, and so recently it's gotten much much better to where there's not enough you know more more sand than people I guess you could say and the water warmed up quite a bit you know you I mean, still surf? I'm not. I, n I never really. I tried surfing and almost castrated myself for the first time in my life. Yeah. What happened? No, it's not cool. I was like 14, and um, I've always been a bodyboarder, as surfers call it, spongers, right? And <laughs> and, and so uh, I um, went out one day with all my buddies up at Emerald Isle, Travel Park crew, and. Uh, my brother was like, hey, I'll let you borrow my surfboard. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, we're out in the water. It's like, it's like, it's like chest high, wishy-washy, just massive waves everywhere, you know, coming from every which direction. There's no lines at all, uh, you know, A-lines or anything like that. It's just like a washing machine, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and so I, I get up on the board and I don't realize it, and I'm, it's taking me too long to get where I need to get on the wave. And so the wave sucks me up and literally just crashes me down. And when it crashes me down, I'm in deep water. And so I, I think that I'm going to actually, you know, uh, move the board in the correct way. And unfortunately, when I let the board go, the wave was already having the board and Come it back to you. coming back to me and it and it literally went underwater and came back up oh, in a yeah. freaking rocket speed and the point of the fin oh. came right across uh, my groin area close to my close to my family jewels. My oh family. my god <laughs> and I since that day, I have never, ever been on a surfboard <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> Dangerous yeah. stuff. Well, that must have been like some kind of warning for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of warning. Oh, indeed. I've had the shot. I've had the board shoot at me so many times. It's hit me now at least three, no, twice, just like that, where it goes down and then shoots right back at you after you thought yeah. you think everything's good. Yeah. And you're just chilling and here comes the board. <laughs> Oh, it's the worst. That happens like every 10 years. Once every 10 years. To me. Yeah. Um, well, good uh, thing you didn't lose your family jewels. <laughs> yeah, man. That was that was a... That fin will slice you in half. Yeah, yeah. 
But so, so when I first started as a little boy, I was nine years old, and what I would do is I would take the raft and. Oh, that was the raft days, yeah. That was the raft days, man. I didn't, I didn't know we what didn't a body have, was. I, I, body couldn't, I couldn't afford a body board. We had the raft. You know, we had the raft, right? <laughs> and, and so um, I had I had this raft, and uh, I'd be going down and, and learning how to you know, work the work on the, the way the wave would break and everything else. And um, that's how I learned. That's how you learned. That's how, that's how I learned, because I would – Figure out how to turn the raft yeah. sideways and get barrel rolled, and didn't even know what it was called. And and then so when I got my first bodyboard, man, at the age of like eleven, that's magic. Oh my gosh, like it's unbelievable. It was a Mike Stewart Mach Seven. <laughs> yeah, not a Seven SS classic, but a Mach Seven, a little classic. just a little skinnier. Dude, I rode that. Was board. it yelling? Yeah, of course. Yellow with the orange orange bottom. bottom. Yeah, man. (laughs) You know, just classic, right? I rode that board until it was waterlogged. And I had started getting really good as a bodyboarder. Like, I was starting to do helicopter spins, L rollos, barrel rolls, um, 360s in, you know, 360s on the water, 360s off the air, you know, off the lip. I would float like you. Yeah. You know, you know, I would do floaters. You know, I would always do that, and then all of a sudden, I would get a Charlie horse because I didn't oh, have yeah. water in my system. I still get that. You know, and so, um, but uh, yeah, so so I, I can't I can't wait. To, you know, like you know, here's the thing, like with this lockdown, and everything with me being closer to the, the beach, uh, it's really really cool because I've had a lot of downtime. You gotta come out, yeah. I, I do. Right. I, I I do. I do. The problem is, and you know what? This is, you know, this is, this is going to get me out because, uh, I just, um, I have no board now and I need to order a board and I've been looking at these, uh, I got a closet full these, of body boards. Oh, you got a closet full of body boards? If you don't have one. Oh, I've got fins and you got I still flippers? got my fin, my flippers. Yeah, man. Totally. Yeah. I got uh, all the boards. Yeah. I got the, uh, I got three, mo- I got the old school Mach 7 sevens. I got a new school BZ. Oh wow! I got I got. Oh, you got a new school BZ? Like a real, a real I, I stiff used, one. I used to have a real stiff BZ. Yeah. So I, I went from Mach Seven Seven to a uh, to a town and country Hawaiian design. How cool! Badass bodyboard, dude. This was epic. Mark Dell signature. Okay. It was TNC. TNC. Yeah. I custom ordered it from Hawaii. Really? Yeah. Cause, Cause, I had to up my game, man. Like, like someone, someone. Did, did that board have a fiberglass string the, in the, the middle? It didn't have like a fiberglass. The grommets were coming out of like northern outer banks and and lower in Virginia Beach, Bob Beach, and they would enter in the contest and like come down and like just show us up on our own beaches. And so, like with a Mark Seven, what, what was your question about the board? Did they had have, the concaves. Yeah, did didn't have some fiberglass stringers in it. Or was it all foam? So, so that was like the BZ. The yeah, BZ yeah. had the fiberglass. Yeah, no, this town and country had a flat glass. I mean, like a plastic flat, flat plastic. Yeah, but but it had the channels like a surfboard yeah. inside to where it would just haul ass compared to my Mach 7. Because yeah. my Mach 7 was waterlogged. Exactly. My Mach 7 was just waterlogged, and I needed to, to up my Annie. And so um, <laughs> my, my buddy, he's like 12. And by that time, I'm 14, and 
and and Hunter was going off. Hunter was a drop knee bodyboarder, where I was more of a prone bodyboarder. Yeah. yeah, I would stay on my stomach all the time. Yeah. Um, where he would drop me, he would always drop me. I could drop me. Don't get me wrong, but he could drop me and do El Rolos and and barrel rolls and still stay on. Now this kid was tiny. You know, Hunter. I mean, he's twelve years old. Um, you know, he's just ripping it, ripping a new one like like all the time. You know, he might have been in like actually, you know what? He might have been ten or eleven when I was fourteen. Hunter's like. You know what? He, now I'm thinking about it. He might have been nine. He he was amazing, dude. Like like Hunter was Hunter was this kid out of Raleigh. That's where a lot of my friends they were either from G Vegas, Greenville, or Raleigh, and they would the come weekend. down, yeah. you know, for the weekends, and they would stay at the Holiday Travel Park, and they would be uh, local because their parents would have permanent uh, spots. That was me when I was a kid. At Holiday I'd Travel, come out here for the weekends and vacations and stuff. Yeah, summertime. Yeah, man, I've seen some killer pictures on your Instagram recently that's just uh, on fire, where you're just coming out of the wave and doing floaters, and dude, you're you're epic. You've been surfing for how long? A long time. <laughs> I, I mean, what, I mean, nineteen seventy-seven, like, seventy-six, wow. maybe seventy-four. So when did you? I don't remember. Seventy-six or seventy-six, probably. When I started. When did you when did you start? Well, I was rafting before that. We were rafting. Between 73, 74, 75, I was rafting a lot. I was still I was like maybe four or five, five or six. And then like uh seventy-six I got my first surfboard. Seventy-six I got the orange I got the green moray board. It was the first foam boards. The first year they came out with foam boards, it was May seventy seven. It was uh Moray Doyle. It was called Moray Doyle. And they made foam surfboards. And they made all the different sizes. Back in the day, the surf shop was like a sports. It was like very sports-minded. And they would like have a series. Like they had a whole series of all the different sizes. And they had this little six-foot mini longboard that I got in 77. The first soft, the, like the first couple of years of softboards, which is really interesting for sure. But uh, Yeah. I watched that evolution of surfboards going to the shortboard revolution and then the trifin revolution. I was part, I was like watching that as a kid and skateboarding during that time. And skateboards went from skinny boards to wide boards. And I watched uh, boards go from longboard to single fin to twin fin fishes to trifin boards. You know, I watched all that happen. Watched and I was part of it. And it was a very interesting time period for sure. Yeah. And foam being created, you know. That's really cool. Dude. You gotta come shred. I do. So you would compete sometimes. Yeah. I would, I would yeah, yeah, I would do local tournaments. Um I was more of a type of dude that was on the DL to where I didn't I didn't I didn't want to do a bunch of contests. Yeah, it might never you, did really. You know, I, I thought I thought it was more commercialized and all that stuff and you know Did you get a shack ever? Shadow for Banks. Uh, I took a trip up there with my brother, like uh, back to Okakoke, where I was where I was raised for a short time and born. It, it, on on Okakoke, we didn't have there wasn't a hospital there, but but basically the Coast Guard helicopter grabbed my mom and took us to Elizabeth City before I was born. Crazy. Yeah, and so I was born in Elizabeth City. So your mom was living on Okakoke. 
Yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom and dad. My dad was postmaster and also in the Coast Guard, Rokoko. Early seventies. Yeah, early seventies. Seventy six. Nineteen seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah. What a trip! That must have been a wild, like very isolated, wild little community back then. Yeah, yeah. I only lived there for like six months as a baby. People who don't know, Ogopoke is an island on the Outer Banks that is just sits out there in the middle of nowhere. It's very small. Probably only has, I would say, 5,000 residents. Maybe 5,000, maybe 10,000 people live there. No, 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 no. Like, like, are you saying? Are you saying now? Yeah. Oh. Back then, probably only like. Back then, 500 or less. Yeah. Maybe like, probably. like, actually, to this, like, to this day, there's only really five. 500 permanent residents that are there. Everybody oh, else only has got. Yeah, yeah. It's really it's a tight knit family type that, deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people there that vacay, right, and have second homes there. But permanent residents, it's very low still with with Ocracoke. Um It's hard it's, living out there. It's it's where Blackbeard uh, took off and, and yeah. did his did his pirating and, and stole a the bunch mayor of. of uh, Still a bunch of stuff. The mayor of the Sound there, Pamlico Sound, allowed Blackbeard to harbor his ship in his port because Blackbeard had become such a pirateer that he was banned from all different um, different areas of uh, the United States. So the only person that let him in was the mayor of Pamlico Sound. <laughs> wow, the mayor of Pamlico Sound. I think that's it. He was like the mayor of the area. Interesting. The the Blackbeard story goes way back, and and Mayor Pamlico Sound. It's the mayor of the. Is that Pamlico Sound? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the mayor of Pamlico Sound. He was he was the only, he was the mayor of that area, and he watched over that harbor, and so he let Blackbeard in because Blackbeard had done such pirateering at that time. That was the last harbor that was allowing him in. They didn't want no Blackbeard in their area, you know what I'm saying? But he right. had but the mayor was kind of crooked too, so had Blackbeard on the side and was like um, agreeing with his behavior, whatever he was doing. I don't right, know. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, they were like taking on ships that were not, you know, you know, they were taking on ships from Spanish ships and English ships, and they were just taking on ships that were coming in the area that were like, you know, a threat to the area, so they would just go and pillage different ships, you know. And, it was a wild time for sure. <laughs> that was, those are crazy, crazy times. Trying to survive right? then must have been hard. All I know is that Blackbeard was from like um, you know England, and uh, he was kind of like a peaceful privateer until they they killed his his beloved wife. He grew up on Jamaica. Yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. went from he went from England to to Jamaica to Ocracoke. Um, and then he would travel back and forth from Ocracoke to Jamaica and, you know, do all the, do all the rum running and all that stuff and, and everything about that as well. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was crazy indeed. Well, the rum runners, you know what that was? Yeah, pirates. No, the rum runners, the, the later rum runners were the original when uh, we had um, Prohibition. They would bring rum in from the... Uh, Bermuda and the Caribbean Islands, they would bring alcohol in and run. They would run the rum. That was the later, that was the rum runner. Oh, okay. So they would bring it in when it was uh, when, uh, during the days of Prohibition. All I know is that, that Blackbeard would, would come up to Ocracoke and hide his loot. 
<laughs> had his pirate booty, right? And and, and they he, found it. Um, they found his ship, Queen yeah. Queen Anne's Revenge. Yeah. And they found some gold on that sucker. Did they? You know what I mean? Crazy. So so that's pretty pretty crazy in itself, right? Um. are back with J.D. Buell from Walking Dead. All right, J.D., can you give me a little more information about this latest year on The Walking Dead? Well, <laughs> I'm kind of uh, not up to that because uh, I've, <laughs> only, I've only watched uh, through season seven uh, season episode five, um, and and I haven't watched all of season five yet either. I've watched season one, season two, season three, season four. But are you on? Are you in that? Um, no, I'm only in season six, season finale, and then I go into season seven, and that was the big scene. <laughs> and then I'm in season seven, episode four as well, um, as a savior. So I didn't die. Uh, which is really cool. That so means, that means I can I can easily be brought back, especially in the in the movies with what I'm hearing talk about what's going on with storylines and everything. That's it's pretty interesting. You know, that's gonna be you know, Andrew left The Walking Dead so he could pursue some other things, but also start on the Walking Dead movie series. So yeah, I mean fans, you guys yeah, I mean it's already you know production's already started, so so Andrew's you know back in the saddle as as Rick. Um, that was before the pandemic. Now everything has been shut down, but we got really good news out of Georgia. Freaking fantastic news out of Georgia. Um, I mean I'm already getting casting for independence commercials and all that stuff starting in June this month. And then uh, in July and August and September, all the big productions are going to start back up in July. Oh, ready to get back moving. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So got to get moving. So, so the scene is going to come back. Um, uh, you know where where they estimated it? They estimated it July, August, September, and they were right. But right now, man, Australia is is starting to boom already in pre production. And already getting back to where they had been filming, like like there there's a there's a TV show called The Neighbors. Um, it's been filming for the last four four or five weeks um, with less extras, unfortunately, in scenes. But that's the way that they're they're choosing to do that, and they're going to choose to do that here in the United States as well. Um, there will be less larger extra scenes, so um, people that would be able to just that be a blur on the screen. Now it's going to be CGI. We were already going towards the CGI extras because, like, what they would do, this was a fa fascinating uh, uh, process, what they would do recently. So the first movie that I ever did this on was Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters. And what happens is you go into this blacked-out room with, like, 180 cameras, Okay, 
and they sit you on this platform and you're facing the cameras that are literally 360 degrees around you. And um, the group, this group is from Australia that comes in and does all these pictures. And so they, they tell you, you know, stand still with your, your hands out and your arm, your, your arms out and your hands, you know, flat down. And then you kind of spread your, you know, like a little stance with your legs. And so you're sitting there and every time they take a picture, 180 times, you turn. So, so you, you're facing and then you turn a little bit and you turn a little bit more and you go all the way around the 360 degrees. And what happens is, uh, recently, uh, Godzilla did it to me. Um, uh, Jumanji did it to me. Uh, so now you're like a, you're like a video game character. Kind of, yeah, they Jumanji. Can kind of they can kind of manipulate yeah. you and put you in any positions. Yeah, and and they can they can explode you. You know, yeah. like 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 if like if you're near an explosion and they want to put you near that gas tank that you know is going to go off, you can you can be exploded. They they recently did on um, Doom Patrol. It's a it's a it's a new uh, new based uh, Marvel. Um, not not a new. It's a new TV series based from Marvel comic book that's old school yeah. called Doom Patrol, and uh, that's sixties. Yeah, they, they that's like GI Joe. Right, I remember that. Right, exactly. And there's a lot of there's a lot of different time periods and everything going on in the show. Well, they asked me to come in on the pilot episode to be part of the Marvel universe, and so what it was is like. During, I've not even seen this uh, this, this part yet. Out? Yeah, yeah, it's on it's on DC Universe, um, and now they are releasing it on HBO Max. So so it's going to get some different different platform playing around besides DC Universe. Uh, but now when stuff's on DC Universe, does it get out of the public pretty? So so or does it stay locked up in there? So DC Universe, uh, and I know other, they don't see it in other platforms. Is a lot of people streaming platform. A lot of people like seventy four ninety nine. But but here's the thing: the reason why Doom Patrol was the first TV series to come out on DC Universe, the second TV series to come out was locally filmed Swamp, yeah. and it crushed. So people everything. The the, yeah, the critics, people were just like me. People were just buying the subscription just to watch one. Yeah, that's wow. how people have been wanting to to watch Swamp Thing since they created the movies back in the eighties. You know, early you know early eighties, mid eighties, and also they're fascinated by the dark universe of, of DC Comics, which is Constantine and Dark Batman. Um, you know, involved. What is there. Constantine? Constantine is this amazing, amazing um, dude that's got like some biblical. You know, yeah, he talks to he talks to ghosts and spirits, and he can jump round to realm and all that stuff. That's Constantine. Uh, the original movie that that we're familiar with, Keanu Reeves played Constantine back I'm in the so day in the nineties. I'm so out of the mix. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, even know about it. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, so that was in the nineties. 
Yeah, that was in the nineties. So he was like, he was ninety like, early. He was, was action a, figure. Was, he was Constantine. Yeah, yeah. Keanu Reeves played. Constantine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. Um, you could probably watch it on Netflix or Hulu. Yeah, I'm sure. Constantine. Um, it's a, it's a good movie. In fact, they're talking about uh creating a sequel to to that movie. Uh, they've been and and Keanu Reeves is interested. Huh. So it'd be pretty interesting to see him back as Constantine. The new Constantine, the, the, the actor, um, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, he, he's an amazing Constantine. He's very sarcastic. He's, he's hilarious. Like, that, that's the thing about this dude, um, Constantine. And he's done really well. Um, Constantine with Keanu Reeves came out in 2005, as I'm checking IMDb. You know, kudos to IMDb, okay? IMDb is the largest acting production database in the world. Are you in there? And yeah, I have I have my profile in there. You can check it out, imdb.com. Look under John David Bulla, and you'll see where. E- even though I have a lot more credits, there's 26 credits on there. Um, you know, there's there's some credits that I'm not even had time to like try to put up there and, and ask to to be on IMDb. Um, I need to need to work on that in this downtime and everything. Matt Ryan plays the new new Constantine, and he does he does a podcast. really cool dude. Yeah, you know, you you've been telling me that. I, I think I think that's something that I'm going to probably start in the next couple of weeks. You know, you're you're uh, you're amping me up. You're you're getting uh, you're uh, you're getting me motivated to do that. Because you know, so many characters, so many people that would get on your podcast. You can get, and then when you're on set, also to kill time, you might be able to get some actors to you know. Yeah, it's, get a good little mic with your laptop and get you know not the best you know anybody. Yeah, the, the the only thing about on set is right now, and that's back to George's guidelines. Okay, when I go back on set, everybody's gonna be wearing masks. <laughs> Craziness. Um, you have to have temperatures taken. Oh my god. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's gonna be social distancing. They got us under mind control. Yeah, it's it's definitely at the highest level. It's 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 definitely uh, something that's that's that. scary. It makes me um, get revolutionary. I don't even see why how they're. Well, I mean, there, there's a revolution going on right now. The love movement, the the, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, the 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 conscious awakening movement that's going on all around the world. You got to understand all these people around the world that are you and I put together because we're all one. I have been locked up in their houses. You know, for three months, two to three months, maybe even longer in some places, uh, that that are just tired of the bullshit that they're being told about this virus when studies are coming out now, and it's not as as the studies have been out the whole time. You, you, you know, well, people are finally finally you know recognizing you know the studies and and how like the CDC has reversed everything almost. Now, now now they're saying you don't even need to go out with. You don't even need to go out with a mask unless you are with a person that has the virus. Then you need to be wearing a mask. Now, if somebody gets this virus, why am I going to be with them? Unless I'm, I'm helping them, you know what I mean? Which is possible. But like, for, for example, you know, there's some people out there. I read an article today that if you have diabetes or if you are considered obese in today's standards – you can die within seven days of this of this crazy virus, you know. Uh, so so there is something out there that's deadly, 
but to the majority of the population, it's not as bad as what they're we're saying. We're not sure. Well, who's telling you that? That's the thing. The information we're getting, the information we're getting is being funded by pharmaceuticals yeah. Yeah. and the CDC. They want to create all these vaccines. Now, this is capitalism. With capitalism, you have to make money. You have to keep making more products, selling more product. They need money. They need to sell a big product because they got a lot of money in all their advertisement. So what's going on? We stop and take a look at what's going on as far as cognitive dissonance, where they push the boundaries a little further and a little further, and you keep believing a little more and letting your rights go a little more, and pretty soon you're not an American anymore, and you're living under other people's ideals. So anyways, we'll go on. Well, that would be that would be the, the communist China party <laughs> exactly. that they've been creating slowly. Exactly. The propaganda. They've got us in some um, strange mind melt. So yeah. I believe that we need to get to just be smart. And yeah, don't open our eyes and maybe turn off the TV for a while. Yeah, yeah, I heard because an amazing what's going on song. In your Look around your neighborhood. What's going on? Look around down the street, what's going on? Look around in Wilmington. We only had three deaths in our in our county. Um, and what kind of deaths are they reporting? Are these people that have really had tests? Are these people that have had um, effects from other things? Maybe a car crash? And I won't go on and on with my rage, but I feel like <laughs> we need to get back to work. I keep saying that, and I think that it gets banned from different algorithms when you say the word, so I have to blur it, I have to beep it out, but anyways. What? What, what, what would blur you out? What? I, if I put it, when I put it on YouTube and I say the CV, I say the CV? Yeah? Real? It, it'll, um, the algorithm will keep you from being seen by everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like the algorithm. See, that right there is just And then scary. They, can put a, they can put a red flag on your YouTube if you get to they're sensor sizing yeah so everything these days so and and, and that's red flags and they take away your page so. that's the uh, that's the movement of, of uh, so you gotta be careful what you say because yeah. the pharmaceuticals are owning YouTube and owning your media and so oh yeah yeah pharmaceutical definitely. companies need to make money definitely definitely just take that into mind. Maybe tune out from the TV for a while and realize that we have a reality around us that has nothing to do with the hype they're feeding us. So don't believe the hype like Flav Flav says. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't believe in the in the hype. How, however, protect your loved ones. Protect your your your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend exactly. or your husband or Be your smart. wife or your kids. Be smart. Stay disinfected, clean. Yeah, careful. wash your hands every, like, you know, you know, you guys are smart people out there. You're beautiful. You're smart people. <laughs> you know what to do. Just, you know, you know, basically don't get in such a crowded area right now. I mean, because what's happening is when you go to these larger group gatherings, if there's somebody out there that, that is asymptomatic walking around and you don't know it, and yet, yeah, I mean, definitely wear the mask, you know, but but just just be safe and be, be careful about stuff like that because um, you don't know where other people have been. And you have to create that safety net because people within your safety net and around your kind circle, they have they could have low immune systems. And 
it could really mess them up and, and cause them to not be in your life anymore. And that's where you got to be really careful about what's going on and just be, be smart and be healthy and, and just do the right things. I don't, I'm not talking about any, but I have a low immune system. So I'm, the, I'm on the front lines of being a dangerous candidate for it. But in me, I'm not even that concerned. I believe that, the, that we need to get back to life. In my opinion. So anyways, JD, what do you got here? You got your JD car. You got your <laughs> car. So, so, so cool. You got so my my savior the, trading card. Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> these are cool. The dead cards. These are epic, man. My my buddy Mark Roberts. Um, I got a hold of him through oh, my geez. my really good friend Indiana Supuentes, who's going to be on a, a future guest of yours very soon on your on cool. this cool ass podcast that you got going on. The dead cards www.thedeadcards.com. My buddy Mark Roberts, he's created this amazing concept uh, through, through um, you know, as us actors, even though we don't have, like, lead speaking roles, we, we still have great fans out there that really are fanatics, and we love our fanatics, and we love our fans, and we love being part of the Walking Dead family. And so Mark came up with this concept. He's like, Hey man, send me a picture. And I'm like, well, what kind of picture? And what are you going to do with this image? And he's like, I got an idea. Here's my idea. So he showed me the concept and everything. And I was like, whoa, you know what? They really can't come back. And, um, you know, uh, I can't get in trouble for this action card. This action card is amazing because I'm a savior on the walking dead. It's my image. It has nothing to do with any copyrights or any images that are on The Walking Dead. It's me as an action with a cool-ass freaking prop, prop gun. And that is a prop gun. Even though it looks real, that is a prop gun that I have on there. They right? need to jump. The Walking Dead needs to jump on this. You know, they're, they're a little... And then you don't want to notify them. Well, well they'll, they'll, they, they already know because they know about everything, Mark. They're exactly. the... They're the uh, they're, they're the. So they probably didn't like, they didn't <laughs> like this approach. I don't know. I, I I haven't heard any negative feedback at all. It's so cool. Um, this I, kind of thing you see like uh, twenty years from now on Pawn Stars. Like, I yeah. got the whole catalog of the dead cards. Yeah, yeah. Mark. I want two thousand dollars for this. Mark, Mark had a great concept. <laughs> he he came out with the first uh, 20, 20 cool ass cards, and and I was number thirteen. Uh, my buddy is like number three or number one. I can't remember. My buddy Indiana Sofuentes, who's going to be joining your podcast yeah, yeah, okay, in the yeah. future. Um, he's a savior like me. We met the same day on the set, um, you know, uh, when I was doing that amazing scene with Negan. That's when I met Indiana. Uh, I, I, I had filmed with Indiana on other shows was as he well. Was scene? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That scene is real famous. Indiana has a longer tenure on The Walking Dead than I do um, because I had another show that I was working on back here in Wilmington. And what happened was in uh, March, we started filming six local history channel, uh, great, amazing uh, TV show about SEAL Team 6. Okay. And so um, uh, uh, originally uh, the the lead that, that I was involved with, um, Joey, 
uh, he he got sick. Um, the Colombian uh, woman that my, my my brain is going like baba today for some odd reason. Uh, can't remember her name either, but she's on Modern Family. The yeah. Colombian, beautiful, beautiful actress. Oh, she's um, hilarious. Her her husband, Joey Maginello, Maginelio, or whatever his last name is. I, I I'm sorry, Joey, if I messed up your last name. Um, I first saw him on uh, Friends, and then back in the back in the day, and and then um, I think it was Friends, or maybe Seinfeld. It was, maybe maybe it was both. But but recently, you know, he's done a lot of other TV shows like True Blood. He's like was the main wolf character on True Blood. Really, really great actor. Well, something happened to where he had to leave the show. And so everything got paused. Like literally paused. Like so then they brought in Walton Goggins, who's an amazing actor who I've worked with on Vice Principals and worked with on um uh um six as well. And, and so I got to work really close with Watson Goggins in the scene because I'm the featured terrorist guard dude that's taking him in and, and making sure that he's getting to my leader, who's played by my buddy Zico, um, who's now the lead on FBI. And and so uh, that was that was a really cool show that I got to got to got to be on. And and on that show, the the guns were were prop guns as well, but they were real. So, so like they, they were, they were real guns, you know, but they had been made into prop guns. So they were heavy. Okay. They were, um, no, no, this was a much bigger machine gun. This was, uh, no, this wasn't an AK 47. No. Um, and it wasn't an AR 15. It was a much, much larger. I'll, I'll show you. It's on my Instagram page. It's it's my second dead card. The dead cards. So you shoot blanks out of them. You 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 can. Well, that's what I did on The Walking Dead. On The Walking Dead, or they they just CGI in your shots. Um. Well, so so yeah, they they do the noise and everything on on six with the action and all that stuff on on The Walking Dead. When I first uh, got on set, they gave me live rounds. That were blanks, and they told me, "Look, you got your gang of saint saviors behind you. You're walking out towards where where um, Rick and uh, uh, the the other Walking Dead leads are in a in a Winnebago, and so they're they're driving slowly towards your, towards our roadblock. I walk out." And I start firing blank shots to them for warning them not to come any further, turn around, or they're gonna get fucked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so that that's what the saviors did, man. The the, the 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 saviors killed people. They slaughtered, uh, you know, innocent people if you didn't do what you were told. Literally, when you met the saviors, one of you died that same day. One of your characters died, you know, and it was up to Negan and, and, and you know, the, the leaders, a lot, and Steven, uh, you know, those were the two, two leaders that were uh, badass under, under Negan, and there were some other players as well, but, uh, you know, my tenure lasted only 
four episodes to The Walking Dead. However, I was on the most watched Walking Dead episode ever to this day. And the number one I know. Epi- television episode in the history of all television, I was asked to be a savior on, on those two that, that those those two episodes that were simultaneous. So it was a, a blessing and, and it charged my career tremendously fast to where people started noticing me uh, more and more, even though, man, I didn't even like, I, I, I didn't want to let anybody know what I was doing. I had to keep that secret for six and a half months. Six and a half months, man. Crazy. Everybody was asking me, who the characters were that were done. Because in the comic books, they already knew who it was, right? But The Walking Dead loves to twist things, right? The production, the storyline, the, the, the amazing uh, director, Greg Nicotero. Uh, big ups to all my peeps over in The Walking Dead universe because I just thank them every day. Uh, being able to get something like one of our fans made these dead cards. You know, like it's his idea. It's his concept. And to be honest, man, it's it's going like wildfire. He goes to all the shows, all the Comic Cons, um, especially the, the Walking Dead Comic Cons. And and he's having great success, um, you know, distributing out these that, you know, the dead cards. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Look at you. Well, J.D., it's been a great talk on the second half of our podcast, and I look forward to having you on a bunch more in the future and getting you to, uh, getting you to do your own podcast, because I want to hear some of your crazy antics, crazy stories, and your psychedelic reasoning of the world. It will be very interesting. So please, start your podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> get, your, get your anchor going and just start yakking. We want to hear it. So anyway, okay. this is J.D. Beulah, straight from all the great Netflix shows and TV. Check him out. Coming to a uh, silver screen near you soon. All right, J.D., it's been a great time. We'll talk hey. to you soon. Let's go hit the beach. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the beach is nice today after all these massive thunderstorms that came through, you yeah. know. All the nice rain. Uh, one more, uh, you know thing to look forward to is to, to stick your stick your feet in the beach these days because you know the last time we got together uh it was like like what three or four days before we got together they were still like telling people that they couldn't throw balls on the beach <laughs> and they had everything they had shut down moving. you had to keep moving yeah. they, were, they were coming and stopping people for not moving left yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got to start moving. Do some jump jacks. Yeah, you couldn't even lay on your towel. Uh, you could only swim. You could only do that. That's all you could do. That's well, there's a little swell out there, so we'll go out there and catch a few waves before the sun goes down. And it was great talking to you, and we will see you on the next Dubcast, everybody. Big love and unity from the Dub. Talk to you soon. Peace out. <laughs> fun times indeed. I want to thank JD for coming out and giving us a fun interview here on the Dubcast. The two-part series was awesome. I want to thank all the good friends for all your support. You can get more information about the Dubcast and C-Law Dub at cloddub.com. 
check out the brand new video we're putting out for the song Smile on YouTube this Tuesday. Alright, the Dubcast is brought to you by Carl Heavily Surfboards, handcrafted on the Crystal Coast. Check it out. High performance longboards, fishes, fun shapes, and thrusters, handcrafted by Carl Heavily himself on the Crystal Coast. Check it out at carlheavily.com. Also brought to you by JM's Pub and Seafood right here on Surf City. With fresh catches of the day, seasonal shrimp and oysters, JM's carries the finest seafood selections. Also check out JM's Pub live music three nights a week. And the JM's Jump Up on Thursday nights, reggae every Thursday night at JM's Pub. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Dubcast. We'll be back next week. Big love and unity from the Dub. The Sea Dubcast is brought to you by the Adonai Network. All rights reserved. 2020.